0: Welcome to the Answers from Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Malone. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. Today, I want to welcome Bob Burke to the show. Bob is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies, including The Go-Giver Leader. He was named by the American Management Association as one of the top 30 most influential thought leaders in business for 2014. But with all this experience in leadership, what does it look like to you?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Leadership, I think, looks like different things to different people, and that's one reason why John and I wanted to um, to, to take it from you know the go giver, the original book, into the the leadership aspect. We believe that to be a go giver leader means that you know you're charged with a huge responsibility, and that is to to serve others. To uh, to focus on bringing exceptional value really to those you lead. Uh, I, I think, Joe, most of all, I, I guess you could say first and foremost, a go-giver leader understands that great leadership is never about the leader, but rather about those people they have the opportunity to touch. So it's an other focus rather than a me-focus or an I-focus.
0: Okay. yeah, That seems to be different from a lot of traditional leadership styles. Yeah, well, it, it is, and I and I think that's an issue uh, because, and I and I know Bob Chapman, the uh, the uh, chair CEO of Barry Waymiller, who is the the ultimate embodiment of a good leader. He wrote a great book called Everybody Matters. It's a
1: fantastic book, and he said early on, uh, you know, research shows that seventy five percent of all employees are unhappy with where they work. And that just does not need to be, it does not need to be, it shouldn't be. It's also not a profitable way for someone to lead. If If 75% of the people at work, the employees today at work are unhappy, it means most leadership is taking place through compulsion as opposed to caring, as opposed to persuading. It's a matter of uh, whatever, compliance as opposed to earning commitment. And, you know, it's not just a matter of touchy-feely stuff. Oh, you should care, you should do... No, you absolutely should. It's the right way to be, but it also happens to be the most profitable way to lead. And people like Bob Chapman... Who has a you know a multi-billion-dollar manufacturing company, or Lee Cockerell, the former executive VP of operations for Disney World? These are people who reached out and they touched their people with caring, with kindness, with
0: encouragement. They built their lead, or they built their people into leaders.
1: They what we would call gave leadership. And Simon Sinek and his wonderful book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, talks about the circle of safety. And that is for the people in your organization to know that you have their back, that you see them not just as employees, not just as cogs on the way to your success, but as as genuine human beings who you care for. And again, it's not just touchy-feely soft stuff. This goes back to the Uh, As Cynic explains, this goes back to the uh, cave person days when it was a matter of life and death to know that you were protected as a part of your tribe, if you will.
0: And in the Go-Giver Leader, it's based on five keys to legendary leadership. What are those five keys?
1: Well, the first one is to hold the vision. (laughs) That means it's the leader's judge. This is the macro. Uh, it means it's the leader's job to always have the big picture in mind, the long-range view, to, to know where the enterprise is going. Uh, number two is build your people. And this is sort of what we were talking about earlier. It means it's the leader's job to always remember that whatever the enterprise does in terms of its products or services, it's fundamentally about its people. I mean, building widgets, building a portfolio, building equity, profit, hey, that's important but it's not as central to the health of the enterprise as building the people who make up that enterprise. Build the people, and the profit will, uh, will happen. Number three is do the work. This is sort of the opposite of number one, right? This is more the micro view. It's the leader's job not only to, to see the big picture, but to have a solid feel for the nuts and bolts of what the enterprise does. In other words, a great leader never expects others to do something she wouldn't do herself. Uh, she's never afraid to roll up her sleeves, get her hands dirty. She may be positioned at the top of the Enterprise, and that's fine, but never sees herself as above the others. Now, number four is stand for something. This means the leader always
0: stays rooted to some kind of moral core to the enterprise, if
1: you will. I mean, hey, business is all about, it's about compromise, it's being adaptable, but there are some things you can't and and just mustn't compromise. It means, as the saying goes, the leader will be flexible on strategy, but when when it comes to those values-based decisions, they are immutable, immovable, and absolutely unchangeable. And then number five is what we call practice giving leadership. Uh, giving leadership being both a noun and a verb. A noun in terms of, it's it's a giving type of leadership. It's focused on what you can give to the others. At the same time, it's a verb. Uh, you're practicing, you're, 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 you're pra- you practice giving leadership because you know it's not a sometimes or a one-time thing, but something we need to continue to do. You know, the core... Message of the go-giver is that shifting our focus from getting to giving, from, again, from an I focus to an other focus leads to abundant returns. This is exactly the message of the go-giver leader that, that shifting from a me focus creates a more powerful, to an I, to an other focus creates a more powerful, lasting leadership. Uh, a go-giver leader operates day-to-day, moment-to-moment, from the perspective that this leadership position is simply a, a means to an end. It's a way to build, to promote, to enhance, and prosper the enterprise and its people first. It means that rather than wanting to take the stage and be the deal, be the a go-giver leader wants to give the stage. They want to build their people and equip their people to lead and, of course,
0: to develop additional leaders. I love that mindset. I also, you mentioned key number four, that a leader must stand for something. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and we've seen organizations where that hasn't been true, say, Enron, you know, the banking scandals. Right. Why, Why do you think people have such a hard time standing for what's, you know, standing for something?
1: Well, you know, people are are human beings, and uh, they they sometimes make decisions that are not productive. And if they don't have the type of character that makes it so that these kind of choices are not set in stone, then it's likely that can happen. Uh, what's interesting, and and Bob Chapman talks about this in his uh, in his book that I mentioned. Uh, Everybody matters. When he first came up with the basic principles that would, that would be the, uh, you know, the operating principles of Barry Waymiller, uh, one of his associates came up to him and after, after she had read them and said, you know, these are good, but Enron had these same basic principles, right? Uh, you were always supposed to respect others. You were always supposed to do what's best for the customer. Or all these things that Enron absolutely broke. She said, "How do we know that that you know when when push comes to shove, the same thing's not going to happen there?" And they ended up being put to the test uh, in 2008 when the financial crisis hit. Uh, the uh, Barry Waymiller really took a hit because their customers were taking a hit, right? And since they were the supplier, uh, when their when when their customer. And so now the, the question came, okay, what's going to happen? Are you going to do what most of the, or not most, excuse me, but a lot of the companies, the ones we certainly heard about it, what they're doing, lay off a whole bunch of people because you know that's how we're going to keep things going and pay yourself even more. And, and so, no, that's not what happened. Uh, they, they met, they discussed, they, they looked at what was best for the team and came to the decision that rather than some people suffering a lot, it would be best if everyone on the team took a little bit of a hit, and so what they did is they um, uh, they had people take. I think it was a, a six week uh, unpaid uh, furlough, but they could choose the, the dates they wanted to. Uh, they were going to have to stop at first the uh, uh, payments into the uh, retirement fund, and and uh, Bob. Uh, uh, Chapman took a hit himself too. He, I think he, he went down to a dollar for that year or something. Well, anyway, once things came back, a couple of things happened. First of all, a lot of the, uh, the, the, uh, employees who really are a team, I mean, they really are a family for such a huge organization, they would help each other out by trading furlough time based on who needed it and, and when. And, when things finally started to come back and they did rather quickly, uh, for them, not only did everybody's, uh, you know, did everybody get back on, on full pay and so forth, but the, they replaced the money, Barry Waymiller's leadership replaced the money in the, uh, retirement fund. Not only did they start continuing in it, but they replaced all the money that hadn't been put in. So there's a company and there's leadership that absolutely was character based. And as a result of that, have, they have employees that would lay down their lives for them.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine having a company do that for you. And, you know, as an employee, what that would do to your mindset for the company. I- exactly. It has to just, you know, instill such loyalty. Yes. You know, knowing, yeah, just knowing other people care about you.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, that's really such a, a such a, a big thing. It really is. To know that you're cared about, uh, you yeah. It, it provides you not only with a good feeling, but it makes you much more likely to commit to the vision.
0: Right. As goal-giver leaders are doing these type of things, how can they encourage the rest of their team to step up in the same way?
1: They really do it by example. Okay, I mean, you know, let's face it, we've we seen and there are so many great books out there that say that leadership can be from anywhere. Mark Sanborn, Robin Sharma, they've written great books that, you know, you don't have to have a position to lead and you don't. But we also understand that a culture of leadership does come from the top and it trickles down. And so when that leader is not only espousing a certain set of principles and values, but they are living them, they are constantly promoting them. They are equipping those on their leadership team to do the same thing. It does work its way down. And a lot of that really has to do with inspiring trust. Because if they understand, if the people on your team realize realize that this isn't just something that you're talking about, this is something that you are committed to doing, it's something you're committed to being, and they see I, 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 the great feeling within the team, well, they're going to do the same thing. All right. uh, you know, David Marquet did this so well. Uh, Captain David Marquet, who wrote a fantastic book uh, called Turn the Ship Around, he took over in the, the late 90s the worst performing submarine in the U.S. Navy and within a couple of years turned it into the number one, the best performing submarine in the Navy. And he did this by giving leadership. And it's not, again, a soft kind of thing. Oh, just do what you want. No, that has nothing to do with it. But he taught, he mentored, he gave time and energy to, he believed in them, and they lived up to his expectations.
0: As we're seeing success in leadership, the book talks about humility. How does humility happen when you're seeing success and leading well? Well, I think
1: humility really starts with um, you know, always remembering where you came from, <laughs> that you, you weren't always where you are now. You had to start at a certain place, you had to start at a certain level, and you began to learn. And you can look at people who you are now bringing up along the line as maybe being in that place where where you started. Uh, humility certainly doesn't mean you're timid. It doesn't mean you're a Casper Milk Toast. You know, you think of the Western definition of humility, or the, the Western... Picture of humility is some, you know, meek guy, uh, knocking, you know, some Nebuchadnezzar kind of Woody Allen type of character, right? Knocking at the door and just sort of looking down at his shoes and, and, uh, you know, and that's not humility, that's self, self loathing. You know, yeah. it's a, a big difference. People with humility tend to be very strong. People with humility are very confident. It's when people do not have confidence in themselves, but they believe they have to prove that they're something that they're not that's when they become arrogant. So typically, the more humble someone is, or the more confident someone is, the more humble someone's going to be.
0: Got it. What do you wish you would have known about leadership, say, 10 years ago?
1: You know, I would actually, well, first of all, even 10 years ago, as I've been, I've been probably studying leadership for about 20 years, okay? Okay. And the reason why was because I was not a good leader back then at all. Uh, I was a good producer, but I was not a good leader. And when I was brought into a leadership role, I was not effective at all. And it really made me kind of say, "Well, why? Why am I not effective?" And I began studying leadership. So if we take it back to if we take it back to twenty years, what I wish I knew is I wish I knew. That there was so much great teaching on leadership that I could have learned from before falling flat on my face in my first leadership role. Now, if we say ten years ago, it's just having more and more and more
0: information to be able to, to, to be able to study. A great answer. In this interview, you've dropped quite a few book titles. Is there any other books you'd like to recommend? Oh, wow, there are so many great ones. Uh, Lee Cockerell, who I mentioned earlier,
1: he, the uh, vice executive vice president of operations for Disney for many, many, many years. He was the creator of the Disney Great Leader Strategies. He has a couple of great books, The Customer Rules and Creating Magic. Oh, what a fantastic, fantastic book on, on leadership that is. And, you know, I'm just trying to think. There are so many great books out there on leadership. It's like I'm trying to think of a bunch of them right now, that I can just sort of rattle off, and I'm not thinking of them right now. But, oh, a great one is, I'm looking at it right now, Taking People With You by uh, David Novak was another absolutely fantastic book. All right, great. And it just goes to show, you know, there are these great people who've done fantastic things, and they... Boy, did they really get leadership right, and they're people we can really learn from and, and, and grow from. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. That's one of the things I really like about books. You know, you just mm-hmm. you can see where people have come from, what they've learned, and now they're sharing it with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another, oh, and uh, Oren Woodward is another great uh, speaker on and uh, writer on uh, leadership. He has a number of books out there, and of course, Dr. John Maxwell. I still say his 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. That was the first Maxwell book I ever read. And that's what taught me so much of what I didn't know okay. about leadership. Oh,
0: great. And as we wrap up, do you have anything else you'd like to share with listeners?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think it's really just a matter of understanding in a sense that that Dale Carnegie really had it right when he said in his, his, his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People that ultimately people do things for their reasons, not for our reasons. So if you want people to commit to your vision and to your leadership, you must commit to them as human beings, not as cogs on the way to accomplishing your goal. You must help them grow. You must give leadership. You must constantly ask yourself questions such as, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their wants, with their needs, with their goals, with their Values, And I think when we ask ourselves those questions intelligently, thoughtfully, uh, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way to help everyone grow in the process, I think we are well on our way to being a a go-giver
0: leader. That's awesome advice. If listeners want to connect with you somehow online, where could they do that? Probably the best place is at
1: TheGoGiver, without the hyphen on this one, TheGoGiver.com, where they can uh, get uh, a chapter of the, the book, The Go-Giver, and or The Go-Giver Leader. They can subscribe to my uh, uh, new podcast, The Go-Giver Podcast, and connect with me on social media, where you and I have been connected, and I always love uh, our interactions on uh, on Twitter and so forth.
0: All right. All right. Great. Thank you once again, Bob.
1: Joe, thank you so much. You're awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to episode 20 of the Answers from Leadership podcast. I hope you'll take the challenge to become a go-giver leader. Doing so will drastically transform the way you lead. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you please share it with someone you think would benefit from what Bob Berg had to share today? If you want to get the show notes for today's episode or share it, you can go to jmllone.com/zero-two-zero. 020. There you'll be able to find snippets from the episode, quotes from Bob, and links to share it out. Until next time, continue to lead well.